Which rookie's ADP is too high and too low? Find out now. Chess towards the end zone, and it is caught. Eight off here. Jump. Down inside. The silent count. He bails out of the pocket there. And oh, Josh Allen. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the JWB Dynasty Digest, where we give you a consumable dynasty perspective. He's Skyler. I'm Wyatt. And today we are bringing you each from one of us a player that is too high and too low for rookie ADP right now. We're going to jump right into it. Skyler, give me your player whose ADP is too high right now. Too high. So for that, I'm going to go with Damian Pierce, running back out of Florida. Got drafted to the Houston Texans. And this is one of those where I feel like it's your drafts that are more removed from the actual NFL draft go. You will see his ADP continue to rise and to rise and to rise. He's currently going about the back of the second. But for my first batch of drafts that were immediately until the ones that were maybe a week later, I'm seeing him move earlier and earlier. And I think that's just a product of people looking at landing spot for these running backs and and a really murky crapshoot of a second round in these rookie drafts. And he's shooting up boards. He's, I've seen him go at the end of the first and early second now on three different occasions uh, in drafts I've had personally recently. Um, <clears throat> my problem with Damian Harris that there's – sorry, Damian Pierce is just there's there's a lot of red flags on his profile. His BMI – is great. The landing spot, I would say, is good. Um, but I think it's being overplayed just a little bit. Um, the size is fine, and there's this narrative of underutilization from his college profile going on. But at the end of the day, his career high was 790 total yards. He has round four draft capital. He still is going to be competing snaps with Marlon Mack. We don't know what that's looking like. The value touches in Houston for a team that was 30th in the NFL in points four. 31st in rushing touchdowns uh, last season was the pass catching work, which was split between David Johnson and Rex Burkhead. Well, they still have Burkhead and they have a Goombawale on the roster. And uh, Pierce doesn't quite have that receiving profile where I would expect him to eat into that work as much as like David Johnson did last year. Um, the only pause I'd say from a senior year is he did have a bump in touchdowns. But again, Houston wasn't scoring a whole lot of those last year. Um, people are saying... You know, he's he's maybe he could be like James Robson or Chris Carson type of player. I'm like, yeah, he's sort of like those players. If you took away college domination score, you took away any burst. He's he's more like he's more like Isaiah Crowell. You care about. <laughs> he's more like Isaiah Crowell, who was useful at times because of his he had a, he had a solid BMI. And he wasn't a bad running back, but never in his career was he um, a lead back who saw the majority of carries, who saw a lot of receptions. And I kind of feel like that's where we're at with Damian Pierce. He's, as I said, he's climbing that late first, early second territory, and I'm I'm fine with him at the end of the second or early third in a tier with like Zamir White. Uh, Algier, who I think that's a real conversation because his situation isn't completely different, or maybe a Brian Robinson, just because I think Robinson is a, a similar talent. But he's routine, routinely getting selected above Spiller, which I I disagree with, and um, and he's shooting right next to guys like James Cook, uh, Rashad White. I see I've seen him go ahead of both those in some drafts, right after him and others. <clears throat> And I, I just don't see why he should be going as the RB three through five off the board. Uh, six through nine is kind of fine, but he, he is he's going above all those other places that he should be going in the same tier as. And I take issue with that. He Houston last year also, even if he was the lead back, there 
their highest rushing attempt player had the same amount of rushing attempts as uh, Rashad Penny had in six games. <laughs> so I'm not sure this is a backfield that even if you end up being the most used back is really that valuable anyway. Yeah, I mean, is he even going to win the job? I, I I would put my money on Marlon Mack right now. Uh, we've seen Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack can be a, a good running back in the NFL. And like you said, there's his profile isn't anything to write home about to begin with. So he's on a bad offense. What's there to you know, look forward to? If you want to take a shot late second on him in hopes that he does win the starting job and you can flip it for something more valuable, I'm in for that. But to take him and expect to actually get anything valuable production-wise from him, I think is just a, a mistake, honestly. Yes. All right. How about my player? Too high. James Cook going with another running back. James Cook's a pretty controversial guy on the uh, Twitter timeline these days. A lot of uh, varying takes to him, uh, going as high as middle of the first round. But for me, that is extremely too high. First off, he's a sub-200-pound running back who's a really good receiver, but he actually doesn't even have that much production in his college profile. I mean, he split time with Zemira White, but even as a receiver, he had a decent target share, but not actually put up those big numbers. And then landing in Buffalo, it's hard to figure out if that's actually a good landing spot or not. They haven't thrown to the running backs in the past. Uh, the last three years, it's been 14% or less total to all of their running backs on the year. Now, that number is okay because Josh Allen throws the ball so much, but you can see that they don't value them as much in the passing game. But we do know that the Bills were in on J.D. McKissick and wanted to pay him, so I have to imagine they're looking for a better receiving back for the roster but I also don't know if that means they're going to feature that receiving running back more than they have in the past. Maybe they just wanted to improve that aspect of their roster. So, you know, maybe James Cook can be a low-end RB2 for the next few years because of his good receiving profile. Maybe that's enough to, to buoy his production. But even then, I don't see how you can draft him at his ADP because I don't like low-end RB2s at that price. You can find that kind of production out on the market fairly easily. That's something that we preach over and over again is RB2s you can find throughout the season as injuries happen, as, you know, there's aging veterans who are still putting up points. You can go get a Melvin Gordon if you want for less traffic capital than it takes to get uh, James Cook right now if you want that production. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with every everything you said. Um, you know, there's I don't see any reason why James Cook is suddenly a first-round pick. Uh, you know, he had the 40-yard dashes. He scores okay. His college production's okay. He has the receiving profile, but and he got the draft capital. But his BMI is horrific. He's he's almost six feet tall and he's sub 200. That's like 27 BMI. That's that's you don't like to see that from a workload perspective. That says to me, mm -hmm. I don't think he's ever going to eat into early down work uh, or a red zone. Uh, he's not really a burst guy. He didn't have a good breakout age. He wasn't an early declare. And he's coming into an obvious split. I mean, Buffalo likes Devin Singletary. He is not a useless football player, right? He's never been quite the fantasy asset we've liked to. And I think that is kind of eaten into his reputation within the community. But they like Devin Singletary and what he has to offer on first, second downs. They like to work in a couple other guys. And they they really wanted a guy where they could trust his hands. And that's why they went out and spent the second round pick on James Cook. I think it's a better fit for real NFL football. But I don't know if it'll ever translate quite into 
uh, fantasy production at the level you would like at his cost in market. Um, if you're hoping he ends up being as dynamic of an addition as like a Tony Pollard type player, ask yourself, was Tony Pollard ever worth a late first or an early second in his career? Maybe a mid second? Right. No. So you're taking him at his kind of market ceiling, right? Uh, yeah. I think the best move is if he does fall to kind of like that 202 to 205 range, I would take him, but be trying to. F I would try to immediately flip him for like a 24 first. We just had uh, Nathan on the JWB team did that today. He took him at 203 right. and then traded James Cook for a 2024 first. Just rinsed his hands clean. He's like, I don't like the player, but yeah. he played the market game. And that's that's kind of where I fought with James Cook is uh, I, I think he's being overinflated because of the landing spot and because of his last name, to be honest. Yeah, and to just hit on that BMI one more time, players at that BMI do not get uh, lots of carries in the NFL. It just doesn't happen. If you think James Cook can take over a large portion of the rushing share, then you're betting on him being an outlier because people at that BMI just don't get it. They don't, they don't hold up at the NFL. The NFL doesn't want to give them that much. And, hey, I'm, maybe James Cook is, but I'm not going to make that bet. Yeah, I mean, he could always show up his sophomore season and be, you know, 215 pounds. The guy put on 15 pounds of, you know, a, a little bit of muscle, a little bit of meat. It, it could happen. It doesn't It doesn't usually happen, and I'm not going to bank on it. And even when running backs do that, it's usually <clears throat> not a good thing. They tend to lose their explosiveness by putting on weight. Normally it's a better thing when they take off a little weight, like uh, Le'Veon Bell did when he was coming into the NFL. He dropped a little weight, and he got – uh, more agile and that was good for his his uh, time in the NFL why don't we move on to your player who's being drafted too low yes too low I'm gonna go with the first round wide receiver to Washington out of Penn State Jahan Dotson uh, this is a player who pre-draft was a, most people's wide receiver six around there and he's being drafted now as wide receiver eight nine after getting round one draft capital it, blow, it, it blows my mind, right? I think a lot of this has to do with the the aroma that follows Carson Wentz and him being behind Terry McLaurin, and no one wants a piece of Washington. It's a hard bet, and I understand that. But things could be very different in two seasons. Terry could not be there. Wentz could not be there. We don't know what the future holds, and the talent of Jan Dawson is still there. The round one draft capital is still there. And in the draft, they told me everything I need to know when they bypassed some of these other wide receivers like uh, Jameson Williams, uh, Chris Olave, and they traded back, and they still went and took Jan Dawson a couple picks later. So that says to me that they held him in a similar tier to those guys as far as being a game changer. Um, you, you, I'm fine with taking London, Wilson, Burks, Olave, and Jameson Williams before Jan Dotson. You could argue me. Sky Moore, and the only non-wide receiver you could argue me is maybe Kenny Pickett, depending on your team needs. But even with all that, there's no reason he should be falling below like 108 in your rookie draft. And Zeddy P right now is at that one-two turn. I've seen him routinely fall into the early second. I've traded into the early second in too many drafts. I, I think I did three different spots where I traded into like 202, 203, 204 to get Jahan Dotson. And that, that price is honestly ridiculous. None of those running backs once you get past Hall and Walker, none of these running backs should be going ahead of Jan Dotson just from his his prospect profile versus theirs. It's I don't think any other players come even close. Yeah, the, the main knocks on Dotson <clears throat> seem to be one that he's a senior declare and two that uh, he's 
slender. He's a little bit smaller. And number one, I think we can just stop worrying about this size thing when he's still got, you know, he's still 5'11". He's a little slender, but that's not a big deal in the NFL these days anymore. The, the NFL is trending towards these uh, more shifty wide receivers and, and, and their BMI and their weight just isn't as big B of a deal. BMI is very important for the transition for running backs. It doesn't matter at all for wide receiver. Athletics are not nearly as important as people think at the wide receiver position. It comes down to technical ability, route running, ball skills, things of that nature, exactly. which he has. And then, and then, you know, him being a senior declare, uh, I've heard, and I think it makes a lot of sense that uh, if it wasn't for the COVID year, he would have been an early declare, uh, but came back because of it, because he didn't put up as big of a profile as he could have in a full year. Now, I could hear the argument that if he did early declare, he wasn't going to be a first-round pick, and he was a first-round pick after putting up a better, you know, another season of production up. I could hear that. But still, I mean, we're talking about a productive player uh, with probably the best hands in the class, good after the catch, has speed, has good route running, picked in the first round. Every, and everybody likes to say, don't worry about landing spot, we just bet on talent until they get into a landing spot they don't like. Yeah, I, I mean... I don't like using COVID as an excuse unless if you're like the Christian Watson situation where they didn't even sure. play football. But, um, you know, it's Olave and Dawson could have been round two potentially if they had come in last year and they stayed as their senior and ended up both getting first round draft capital anyway. So I, I'm less concerned because because of that draft capital. Yeah, definitely. I think I think the capital locks up like we're uh, before the draft. We had him as a round one round two turn type of player he gets round one draft capital and then all of a sudden he's you know like he doesn't move up i don't you know i don't understand yeah and he's playing he um, he played at a good program like they're playing against good corners they're playing against mm -hmm. good teams it's competitive football it's not like the difference between him like sky Moore type thing is it's not this isn't western michigan Right when he's playing, when he's playing at Penn State, he's going against good competition. They have a track record of players who have produced out of the program coming in, uh, being successful in the NFL. They've had three or four guys in recent memory who have come in and been, uh, been solid NFL players. Yeah. <clears throat> Go on to my player, my too low on the ADP. will be the last player of the day, Matt Corral, went in the third round to the Panthers and. Coming into the draft, the knocks on Corral were that he's got kind of a slender frame for a QB, and in his offense, it was kind of a one-read, two-read offense at most. Uh, a lot of um, play action and a lot of RPOs where, you know, uh, the, he just basically throws to his first read every time, and, and that's it. And, you know, can he develop and learn to read a defense better in the NFL? But he's got all the physical tools that you want. He's got a really quick release. He could throw the ball anywhere. He can make every throw. He has enough arm strength to do it. I shouldn't even say has enough arm strength. He has good arm strength and can make every throw. And he's got enough mobility to move around in the pocket and possibly even add a little bit of rushing in the NFL. I'm not sure that he will. You know, Just because college quarterbacks have a little bit of rushing in college doesn't mean they're going to do it in the NFL. But I think he at least has the mobility to move around in the pocket and evade the rush really well. And Honestly, outside of Kenny Pickett, he probably has the best chance to be a starter on day one of all these other quarterbacks that got drafted. And with that in mind, he's someone who could have an instant return on investment for you. And when you can get him in the second round, mid to late second round, I think that's a worthwhile investment to make. If you don't even believe in him, 
if he wins that job, beating out Sam Darnold, who, you know, everybody loves to drag because he's frankly not a very good quarterback, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he'd be able to trade him for a 23 first because people are going to say he's with CMC, he's with DJ Moore. If there's going to be someone in your league who liked Matt Corral going into the draft, who thought he was going to go first round, who's going to be interested in him. So I'm not positive Matt Corral is going to be worth it long term. I think he's it's possible, but he is a third-round quarterback, and those things tend not to work out. But I think he's a player that you can invest in and, and then flip for a better asset when he eventually gets the starting job over Sam Darnold. Because, I mean, let's face it, Sam Darnold's not starting this whole year. We had There were times last year where we had P.J. Walker starting games over Sam Darnold. So I think he's at least going to get a shot, and I think there's a good chance he could win it out of the gate. Yeah, I'm... Um... With this draft, it's just such a crapshoot in the second. And in Superflex formats, quarterback is key. Uh, there aren't many quarterbacks in this class who I think have as good of a chance of stepping in and getting some game time year one. And you're absolutely correct. If he comes in uh, and shows anything in his first his first appearance or two, I'd be looking to try to flip him for for a, uh, a 23 first or even a 24 first probably right away. Um, I'm absolutely fine taking him in the mid-second to the back of the th- back of the second, maybe even early third if he falls. Um just, just based on how poor this class is in the in the second round, uh, I think he has as good of a shot as anyone for an ROI at that point. Um, and I don't see argument for taking any of these backs that we talked about at the beginning of the video uh, before you look at and consider taking Matt Corral. So I also agree that wh- where'd you say he was going in drafts right now? What's the ADP number at? His ADP is at the end of the second round. It's two twelve, two twelve, and two twelve, two twelve is too low. Uh, I took him at two oh nine in a draft, one of my drafts uh, when I was on the clock yesterday. Uh, you could you could make an argument for taking him as early as like two oh four, honestly, with just how murky this class is. And I I think his his he has an ADP that uh, is different in every draft uh, because there's people who you know were believers before the draft. Um, so those people are still taking him early second. There's people who were never in and they're just letting him fall, you know? So I think he is someone that, you know, he, you may not be able to take him in the mid to second round, depending on the draft you're in. But I think if he's there, I think he's worthwhile pick. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for today. Find Skylar on Twitter at VFF Buffalo. Find me on Twitter at YFB underscore FF. Find JWB on Twitter at JWB underscore FF. Find all of our content at JWBFantasyFootball.com. Make sure to check out our Discord where we're seeing some fantasy talk going on every day, talking trades and all sorts of stuff. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow as well. We'll see you next time.